0: The Gita lays a great stress on the thought and state of mind. Namaste. In continuation with Shorubindo's writings, volume 19 of Collected Works of Shorubindo, Essays on the Gita, part 6. The Gita, as we know, is a, not just a karma yoga as is commonly understood. But the triple path, as Srivendu says, it is the triveni of jnana, karma and bhakti. Meaning thereby that it engages all the three aspects of a being, the mind, the heart and the will. So that way it is in its own way a kind of integral path. For the mind, we the Gita starts from there and because man is a mental being and it teaches us how to turn the mind inward and upward. Rather than be engaged in outward activities and turning it downwards for petty ends, for narrow desires, ambitions, etc. So, when we turn the mind inward and upward, it tends to enter into a state of impersonality. What the Gita is, it can be perfected into a state which is called as Akshar Brahma. So, right now our jiva is involved fully in Sharobhav. It can withdraw from that and enter into a state of vast impersonality. It is a great liberation and the it gives a certain kind of nirvati from the way we are engaged in activities <laughs> and if we deepen it it can lead to a state of nirvana um, but then the question arises is nirvana consistent with works and the Gita says yes very much so it adds the second aspect because very often people who just practice this as in Sankhi Yoga and certain forms of Yoga they they then speak of works as its utility is over. You just carry on with it mechanically, whatever is sesh karma or you know prarabdha karma, whatever is uh, to be done just mechanically for the body, you do it and leave the rest. But that's not the teaching of his scripture as great as the Gita. It says no, you do works, and works also become a means for the union with the divine. And how they become union with the means of union with the divine? so the Gita explains to us what is works so work is the creative impulsion in its origin visarga from the divine adhyatma so there is a fourfold understanding of the divine we will just come to it in a moment so the divine himself releases the creative energy through which all impulsion goes into nature into creation but as this impulsion enters into us there is a pure form of it and this, it gets distorted and mixed with the movements of lower nature. So the pure form of it is what is sabhava. In each creature there is the pure impulsion of the divine. And that is what the Gita means by saying, I am the desire which is consistent with dharma in the jiva. So what is consistent with dharma? When Bhimasen uh, takes the war of killing hundred brothers of uh, Karvas, The Karvas, And at the end of the war... Gandhari asks him couldn't you spare at least one of them? and Bhima says that if there were 200 I would have killed 200 of them now it may uh, sound very strange to the ordinary human mind but this is the sabhava which comes naturally within Bhima it seems perfectly natural if you read through the Mahabharata that's how Bhima is otherwise he would not be Bhim, but Yudhishthira or somebody else so this impulsion in us which is deep within embedded in our soul as the way of being of the divine within us to obey that, to follow that is the true uh, works that we must engage in but this impulsion is often mixed with the lower nature the desired self, the ego fear satisfactions of various kinds pleasure etc etc anger when it is not fulfilled this has to be removed so to remove it the Gita gives us a very wonderful path do it bhav. so the moment you do bhav, the desire, the knot of desire gets immediately weakened because you are acting based on your inner impulsion, what is your most natural deepest self, but you are not doing it for the sake of personal pleasure. now that breaks the knot of the desire self so do it in a bhav. second, the work must go back to its originator And therefore the cycle is completed when we send it back to the divine through a state of inner offering. So by remembering and offering the work to the divine, so slowly this impulsion becomes more and more truer, stronger, more beautiful, lifted up to great heights. So this way, when we live life this way, we enter into a state of Yogaha Karmasukhasla. Because now it's purely the body which is doing the activity. And what is informing the body is nothing else but the divine consciousness. It's not mixed anymore. So by offering the work back to the divine, it uh, you know opens the floodgates of a greater and greater action, mightier and mightier action. So having said that, now comes the third aspect of the Gita, that who is this divine to whom we are offering the works? Is it just a limited Godhead Krishna? But Sri Krishna himself reveals that as the avatar, he is the divine who is by his own pressing upon his own nature, he stands today in the battlefield of Kurukshetra. So he is not to be uh, taken, Not I will not use the word mistaken because he is both, he is the personality which has manifested in the Vrishni clan um, and stands there in his human persona holding the reins of the chariot of Arjuna. But he is also in its deepest truth, the Purushottama, who has consciously entered into this creation, pressing upon his own nature to uh, conduct the march of civilization, Lok Sangrahat. So, now opens the doors of bhakti, who really is this divine to whom we are offering the bhakti? What really is bhakti? So, bhakti comes from, as we all know, bhaj, the root is bhaj, and though there are various ways we can understand bhaj, but bhag it comes. You know, there are two parts, and you join them. But my uh, spontaneous, intuitive sense—I have not done it from the Sanskrit point of view—is like we use the word bhag also for the joy bhag in the four great godheads. You have bhag, which is delight, the last, which comes enjoyment. So he whom we take joy in. So who is a bhakta? Bhakta is one who takes joy in the divine. So it's not a mechanical thing which is being done just for the sake of Khanapurtiki. okay I have written my name in the register, I also went to the ashram for two minutes, did my prana. That's okay, nothing wrong with that, that we will come to a little later. But true bhakta takes delight in the name of the divine, in serving the divine. In hearing the divine, that's why we see the stages of bhakti, which are classically described: manan, shravan, chintan, darshan, nididhyasan All of them, he loves to think of the divine. For a bhakta, wherever there is something of the divine going on, he loves to be there. You see that story as children, we heard about Hanumanji, also about Narad. So we were told wherever these Ramkatha, Hanumanji comes and sits. <laughs> so it was so nice always to feel he is present around and also about Narada that don't leave the asan and go when you are doing puja of Narayana because Narada will come and occupy it because he is all around wherever there is this uh, you know uh, Manan, then shravan hearing the uh, exploits of the Lord that is the great uh, significance of Bhagavad the great significance of reading works of Shir, I mean, life of Shurabinda the mother often I tell people don't want to read You know, the metaphysics and etc., it's difficult. But just read the life of Shirbindran, the mother. It's so liberating. Personally, I find it even more liberating. Because immediately, something, you come in contact with the personality of the godhead whom you adore. When mother was asked, Who is the divine? and one of the answers she gave is, One answer she gave, like to a Jnani, the divine is, uh, You are the divine in disguises. When he asked, who am I? So mother said, the divine in many disguises. But to somebody else, he says, the divine is, She says, the divine is that which you adore in Sri So, Bhakta is, loves to hear. Shravaṇa, manani, loves to think of the divine. This is what giving means, self-giving. With the thoughts, give your thoughts to the divine. So, shravaṇa, manana, darshaṇa. So of course the true darshan is inwardly the image of the beloved must become clear to the heart of the seeker, uh, but also outwardly when you see a photograph of the mother even the symbol you halt you suddenly you know want to you are you are just wonder struck so that's because darshan then nidhidyasana you are constantly meditating reflecting and various forms of relation then one begins to form with the divine but who is this divine and what are the various ways bhaktas approach now the Gita brings out this very interesting division of bhaktas in four categories. We can look at upon them as divisions. We can also look at them as an evolutionary hierarchy. So two are inferior type of bhaktas and two are the superior type of bhaktas. The two inferior are arth and arthati. Arth is somebody who in a moment of crisis calls Lord. It's not like which name you are calling. It's that arth. Lord, and he responds, he knows that I am being caught. He is fortunately not a slave of names. Names, each name represents a quality of the divine. But he knows that my, uh, the Lord knows that the child struggling with nature in creation needs me. And then there is Artharthi. Artharthi who is turning to the divine for material benefits and gains. Then the third category of bhakta is Jigyasu. So, that's why, you know, people read Mother and Shirobindo because they are jigyasu. They are bhaktas but of a jigyasu kind. They want to know more. So, one of the ways um, people often say life divine is difficult, this is difficult, that is difficult. Well, first answer is life is difficult. So, aren't we, should we say we are not going to live it? <laughs> why life is difficult? The person next door to me sitting all the time whose face I may see may be difficult. So, should I stop doing <laughs> Difficulties, challenge of life But why should we read Mother Because we love him So it should be read as Bhakti, with that Bhakti, Jigyasu I love the Lord, what has he written? What has he spoken? What does he want me to do? So obviously somebody who loves the Lord would want to know So there is the Third kind of Bhaktas who are Jigyasus Who are keen to know about the Divine His attributes, his various aspects His life, his works and everything About him so this is the third kind, the jigyasu. And this idea of putting a sacred book in, as Subindu describes in Savitri, wrapped in silken strings and kept on sanctified desk, only to be read occasionally, this should go. It's a Lord's letter, just like a beautiful letter from somebody we love, we want to read again and again. So we can read anywhere and any time. At least for me, it was like. Even during exams, MD selection exams, I was reading mother, even sitting in the bathroom and everywhere, all barriers had gone, like a besharap. What is there? Why not? So, your are jigyas, you want to know more and more and more. And then the final category is the jnani. He knows and therefore he loves. Because the more you know the divine, the more you realize the wonder of grace. A jigyas who may have some doubts that, you know, why this happened to me? What is the divine plan? But a bhakta, kyani, knows that this was the best thing to happen to me. This is grace. He begins to become conscious of the grace. So we have these four categories of bhakta, and a natural question arises that that uh, this first and second category are seeking, desire, and we are being told to. And the Gita says all of them. The Lord blesses. They are special to me. They are to me. <laughs> so he says. Why these two categories are uh, You know Because you have to get rid of desire Why they are also accepted by the divine And then The Gita answers They are When you compare with ordinary humanity Which doesn't even have faith in anything higher So the divine takes delight in them And when you connect yourself with the divine You know it is like the uh, Hen and the golden egg <laughs> So So every day you go you get a golden egg you get a silver egg after some time you say what about this hen this wonderful hen who is this who is giving me what I am seeking who is he who is she so uh, it is the upward side of the famous Hindi idiom anguli pakadke pahucha pakadna you catch hold of the finger then you want to catch the entire person but it is generally used in a negative sense. That, you know, oh, give a little leeway to somebody, he tries to take full advantage. But the divine wants. He is not happy giving us only half a little sonekanda. He gives himself, but to claim him, we have to give ourselves completely. So, when we give ourselves completely in all sincerity to the divine, the divine gives himself to us. And that is the ultimate acme of uh, union that we seek so these are the category of bhakta so what should he how should he do bhakti is it a particular strot we must read is it an auspicious time is it a you know particular vigraha to which we must worship so the gita clarifies says patram pushpam phalam toyam pick up a drop of water a leaf <laughs> anything you can offer what a wide conception of bhakti and what is the asan on which you must sit? Shraddha. It says it must be done with shraddha. He who has shraddha goes across. Shraddha van labhate. And he who doesn't have a shraddha, a shraddha, who is full of a shraddha, it is like, mother help me, but there is a doubt coming in. Who oh, no, Will she hear or not hear? I don't know really. Does she hear? Now, you know, we are cancelling. <laughs> Making ourselves closed. So, Shaddha is important. Is the asana on which we should sit. And then, what is the mantra? The Gita does mention a mantra at one place. prana Om. But basically, it is like any name you pick up. Any name, any symbol. shobindo universalizes it still further in synthesis of yoga. Any name, any symbol, any smallest we can get, any offering. Who is the person who can do bhakti? Is it specially only for Brahmins and the higher caste and the Kshatriya? No. The Gita goes on to say, even a woman tied to hundred bonds and the fallen, the outcast, the evildoer who has fallen into the darkest state, if he takes my name, O Arjuna, regard him as a saint. I often say this to you know people that never ever talk harshly to a bhakta, never ever you know try to demean or belittle. Because he is, windows says in synthesis, he is the very self and favorite of the divine beloved. He regards him. He is on bhaktas, there is a special. That's why we see in our Indian thought to what extent the divine takes care of the bhaktas. Banasur, Krishna himself is against fighting too. But you know, he's a worshipper of Shiva. It's a difficult state. Or we go still further, some of these bhaktas, Jalandar he is not even a bhakta himself he loves his wife depending on which scripture you are reading, Vrinda or Tulsi, it doesn't matter and the wife loves Narayana and of course a husband and because the wife loves Narayana and this man loves the lady Shiva cannot kill him the destroyer cannot kill him why cannot kill him? they all say why are you toying, why don't you try that ultimate trishul, (laughs) no better weapon than that, into his heart. He says, I cannot enter his heart. Why? Because in his heart is Vrinda. So what about that? And in Vrinda's heart, there is Narayana. How can I do it? So that's when we have the story of Narayana going and, assuming the form of Chalandar and, the rest follows. So we, uh, we have a tendency sometimes, even, I have seen people in various circles. Oh, Bhakta, they are sentimental lot. There is a dialogue in one of the movies. (laughs) Do not underestimate the power of an ordinary man. I would say never, never underestimate what stands behind a Bhakta. Because in his heart, God dwells. And that's what the Gita says, that he who remembers me, I dwell in his heart. And he dwells always in me. Never, and he should be regarded as a saint, even he may be a most fallen being. Because quickly I release him from the bonds of sin and take him higher and higher through the higher and higher states of consciousness and he becomes a saint. So this is the, uh, what we must understand that anybody can do bhakti. So all these we will hear often from various people about you know Hindu thought, the Gita which is a scripture of scriptures, very categorically says that then who is this God to whom all this bhakti is being offered now the Gita opens a whole vast vision who is this God in the Vedas we have this question kasme devai avishavideha whom should we offer Agni, Indra, vayu depending upon uh, Vedas will say first Agni because he is the leader of the march of evolution then next Indra because Indra will respond Pusant another Upanishad will say why you because he is the one who will carry the avi without why you whatever you may offer nothing will go up he expands the sacrifice here Sri Krishna says you offer it to me and I take it even when you offer to other gods why you Indra <laughs> ultimately I am the one who gives so here all the godheads are reconciled in the one great god this great truth which we often forget in the one great God but who is this Krishna who declares himself as Purushottama he says very it's these. He, it, they are very short verses but they are very powerful the reason why I don't recount is because sanskrit, they should not be an Asuddu Charan <laughs> so, but they are very beautiful he is Adhyatma so who is Adhyatma he is the spiritual power within everything the soul within the bhava in the soul, the adhya, atma. So he is the impulsion in the soul. That's how sabhava comes from there. And in its origin, it is, he says, karma. What is karma? Creative energy. Visarga. I am the one who releases through the bhava in the soul. So he is adhyatma. Then what about this world of multiple objects? Stars hanging in space, the trees, the plant, the river, the mountain. So he says, I am adhibhuta. I am the essence, the truth behind all these various becomings. Bhutadi. Bhutadi is literally various elements. So, all the five elements, if you go to their ultimate truth, it is he who stands behind it. And all these varied manifestations, outer objective manifestation is myself. So, he is Adi Bhut. But what about subjective states? These gods are not just governing physical inner existence peace, light, various aspects of inner state that we go through. What about them? So he says, I am also Adhidev. So he is also the Godhead behind the gods. So all he is Adhidev. All the gods and all the psychological states, inner states, he is the Lord behind them, Adidev. And at the end, the one who conducts this entire universe and all its operations through a vast yagna to whom whatever is offered in whichever way, to whomsoever God comes and the response comes from him. So he says, I am Adhi Yagna. He is the yajya Purush. So we see this four-fold description of the Gita. It is very, Sri Krishna doesn't emphasize much on it because uh, he doesn't want metaphysics. You know, these are verses where you can clearly see the Gita was given on battlefield. Because you want to know more and Sri Krishna quickly goes through. Who am I? So he just starts revealing. And then he starts revealing his power of becoming, and there he says, "Of course, he has already revealed that I am in the sharobhav in all this mutable world, as the essence of everything." And we have spoken about that. Then I am behind all manifestation, including he says, "I am the gambling of the gambler." Why? Because the gambler is gambling; he needs to be clever. And I have a very nice story which shows this truth. i don't, mother has done many things which outwardly look very uh, seemingly that she did for this reason but you can see a great truth being revealed through that so in the Gita when Sri Krishna says I am the uh, light of intelligence in different ways he says I am the essence of uh, the flower gandha and I am the you know ras in waters I am vasuki among the narcs etc etc so at one place he says I am the Cunning of the gambler. Gambling of the gambler. So, what? Now you see, there is a story of the mother. I use this to explain this. So the story goes that there are people who were gambling on the um, ship on which mother was traveling. And there was a man who with this cunning was actually, obviously he was looting somebody who had ultimately lost all his... And well, he was in a very distant state and Arth must have inwardly cried and mother is there. So she took pity on him and said, can I play on his behalf? Just one, one hand I'll play. And the man said, are you sure? He's already lost everything. it doesn't matter. And the mother played, got back everything and gave it back to him. So is just wondering how she could get it. Mother doesn't reveal the mystery there. She says, I could see all the cards. <laughs> so <Sorry>, you see. <laughs> he could see all she could see all the cards. She had that capacity and the vision. He says, okay, I'll pay. You are doing Dhurtata, but you don't know that I am the one who, who informs everything. So that we see in again something similar in Alipur bomb trial. What does she Krishna tell Shirabindha? Doesn't matter. Let them say what they are saying. It's their business. What they will understand, what they will, the judge will finally write, all this drama. It's all within me. I am the one who will ultimately <laughs> write the judgment <laughs> through witchcraft. All that is settled. So every we find this wonderful description. Then there is beyond this Sharubhav, there is the Akshar Brahma, the stable basis of all things. And then the Purushottama. The Gita also says, all things are within me. I am in them, but I am not them. This is something very, another cryptic phrase of the Gita. Sri Krishna doesn't explain much, because he is in a hurry, you know, battle has be fought. So, I am in them, I am not them. So, in a certain sense, there is nothing else but the Lord. Shubindo explains this very beautifully. But what he means is that, don't regard this small little thing to be... Because everything is the Lord, doesn't matter, you will pick up this and say, this is what the Lord is. So, there is a very subtle distinction, which is what Ravana forgot. For example, the Lord is in me and the Lord is all the becomings. Now, if I say, therefore, the body is also the Lord, and so I will take care of the body, all through and, all my life I will just be focused on the body and I am worshipping the Lord. There are people who are trying to do that, and the mother reminds them, taking cue from Sri writings, quoting him that the body has to be part of the yoga, they spend all their time only thinking about the body. So this is what the Gita is drawing a very such distinction. Of course everything is him, all becomings. He is Adibhut. But at the same time he is saying that I am in mean everything as its essence. But don't mistake that this is me and therefore you start uh, creating all kinds of absurd uh, Forms of practices So he reveals that And then he says I am not just as a silent presence But actually I am in that becoming I inspire nature and her works Push nature to exceed the limits Of her own formations And who are these people? In the west they are called genius In India they are called vibhuti And sometimes they are called madmen I am talking of the luminously mad <laughs> not the other inferior kind of madness they are luminously mad because they have broken through the limits so these vibhutis at a human level Sri Krishna says that wherever you see any kind of greatness know that it is God it is he who is manifesting and it's a reminder to the vibhuti also that don't think that it is you it is God who is manifesting through you and we see that beautifully in the uh, you know Napoleon story so, Napoleon was the arm of God striding through Europe. Napoleon was Kali, Kali's instrument to usher in a big change. But it's very difficult to contain, you know, when God moves you, you know that it's, all we Bhutis know it's no more their power. Because they know that it's way beyond, the limits of their personal power cease. But Napoleon started believing at one point that I am France, France is me. (laughs) And that's when we see that Napoleon was broken, as Sri Bindu says, and Kali threw him aside on the road. Because Vibhuti has to, you have to grow more and more humble, the more and more the divine acts through you. So there is this entire uh, Vibhuti Yoga which is described. And after that, the Gita takes us to the grand vision that look here. Not only am I the goody-goody God, sweet, loving, lovey-dovey God Who is, you know, all doing good things, so merciful I am also manifested as time the destroyer That is a marvelous aspect of the Gita But we will touch it later in another talk Because it is very important Meanwhile, we will now do some readings So what happens to such a man who is living in that consciousness all the time so the Gita says that if he dies he comes to me now this dying and coming to him is not like a last minute Christian indoctrination you know, like what I believe mother Teresa was doing she felt very happy about it that somebody who is going to die make him a Christian last minute conversion and she was very happy that I turned him a Christian Before his death, Shobindu says it's not a last moment edification of a Christian death. There is a very interesting story about it that there was a bear who attacked a priest. So the priest was, you know, didn't know what to do. So last minute he says, Hold on. He could talk to a bear, you know, language quietly. He said, Wait. The bear paused. I'll turn you into a Christian right now. The bear said, Okay. So he turned it into, (laughs) threw some water in beer turned into, well, he became a Christian so he thought, Christian, Christian abhi to sab achha hai Christian will forgive, so next moment the beer started praying and he prayed, thank you Lord for giving me my bread <laughs> <laughs> thank you Lord for giving me my bread <laughs> and ate him all the same, so the thing is, it's not that, it has to be a lifetime, a life lived is a preparation for that moment and this is what the says, there is no offence meant any to anybody personally. All religions have this stupidity. In India we used to read in, in Hindu religion, one of the bhajans, ki, um, it's about Ajamil. Ajamil was a butcher. So this fellow did only one smart thing in his life and that was he kept his uh, son's name as Narayan. So, so as the bhajan goes, that last minute when he was about to die, Ajamil Adhamni आए, Govind, is based that. <laughs> that is the Bete is the Vajan goes. That you know last minute when the time of death came, he suddenly called his son. Bete ki. Naren, <laughs> Bete he called his son Narayan. And as he called Narayan, the Lord appeared before him. And the gates of Vakunta open. Now, this is a bit of exaggeration. We should not start, you know, uh, (laughs) start saying such things. The same thing, like Christian edification. So, in every religion, there is this idea that just because you are baptized, you are freed. No, sir. Uh, Initiation, even where it is genuine, it's only the beginning of a whole journey. You may turn away from the journey. You may close the gates. You may walk a few steps and then just sit like a laggard Or like a stone while others are passing by. You know, there is a story of a man who who was uh, giving a lecture to a crowd. (laughs) I get very shivers, you know, when I speak about this story. But okay, I don't want to be that man, okay. (laughs) But he was giving like you know, you have satsang, there are standards, adhus who will come, nice malas, they'll say the same standard things. After which they will get the same standard Dakshina. Same stories, everything same, then they'll go. So, there was this person giving a lecture and one man was by the way passing by and he heard and then he went on. So, when he went on, he took that seriously and he realized (laughs) the great truth. (laughs) So, as the story goes, when he was coming by, he saw they were still sitting and listening (laughs) to the lecture. (laughs) And this story is told in another very beautiful way that there was a Pandit who was... Giving Bhagwat Katha, and he was telling one day, You know, Bhagawan ke naams bhav sagar ho jata. Hai. You can, you know, cross the great ocean of um, the world by taking his name. And all the simple folks, oh, so nice, wonderful Maharaji. So one day, and they used to bring milk for him every day. One day, the river was in speed, but suddenly they landed up, nevertheless, in time. Knocked the door, you. How you people have come? No, no, you told us no, ke se Parvijat, you can cross the great ocean. What is this river? We took the Lord's name and we swam through. What is going to happen? He says, I can't do this. What you are doing? So therefore, it's a mixed, it's not just a mechanical repetition of name, but that faith, that love, that bond of surrender we have to form with the Lord. So the Gita here lays a great stress on the thought and state of mind at the time of death a stress which will with difficulty be understood if we do not recognize what may be called the self-creative power of the consciousness what the thought, the inner regard, the faith shraddha settles itself upon with a complete and definite insistence into that our being tends to change this is the secret if all our life, our mind it may go here, there, hundred places But it is settled with faith onto that one thing, needful. That's where we tend to go. There is a story where mother recounts of a man who after his death, she said, you know, I saw him surrounded by the flowers of the service tree and he rose straight and fused with the supramental light of Sri And Then she said, you know what, what was his uh, merit? He just wanted to serve Sri that's all nothing else we just wanted to serve Sri Aurobindo. and just with that state that I want to serve Sri Aurobindo people don't realize people often say you know service what is service see anyways we are serving we may serve the ego so we will remain into a narrow ignorant state of mind that is the commonest state of humanity we may serve our family more or less the same we may serve humanity we enlarge the circle of ignorance that's all but when we serve the divine, we are freed from the clutch of death and ignorance. And where, not just into a extra, into a extra cosmic, into just a state of the cosmic higher worlds, a person who remembers the divine, who has lived for that sake of the divine, goes into the extra cosmic, transcendent divine. That's what it says. So Shuddhinda says, What the thought, the inner regard, the faith, the Shraddha, whom do we have faith in? Into our intelligence, into all our relatives, into doctor, into 911 and 100 things, or into the one who alone is. Into that, our inner being tends to change. This tendency becomes a decisive force when we go to those higher spiritual and self evolved experiences, which are less dependent on external things than in our ordinary psychology, enslaved as that is to outward nature now he is speaking why he is saying this is that it is not just outwardly you are just doing a mala dependent on outer things it is your state of consciousness that shraddha is settled upon the divine and that is what determines what is going to happen in our life the mother says it is the highest determinism comes into play if you are having this faith in the divine then your higher determinism will come into play there we can see ourselves steadily becoming that on which we keep our minds fixed and to which we constantly aspire. It doesn't matter what is our outer state. Keep saying, Lord, I want to belong to thee alone. I want to be yours. I want to be yours. Keep saying. He will take us through everything and <laughs> make sure that nothing can bind us because he has heard. Sometimes we say, okay, okay, I have heard, don't worry. But every time you feel you are surrounded by things, people where you are likely to get entrusted, keep saying, I want to be only yours, only yours. This, when the mind fixes itself, that is what is required. Nothing external. That he will arrange. Inner external, he will take care. He listens to that little prayer which nobody else hears. Even the dumb prayer of the four-footed things therefore there any lapse of the thought, any infidelity of the memory means always retardation of the change or some fall in its process and a going back towards what we were before, so the moment this happens recover it you know I give this example of the Mela so Sansari is Mela jamela. so you are going in the fear and I Childhood must be remembering you know Papa is holding you and mama is also there When you are small mama carries you When you are little big then papa holds you Typical relationship And then you are carried away by this That sometimes you forget When you turn you realize that you are Catching the wrong person's finger (laughs) I have done it so I know it (laughs) And then I Daddy where are you I am talking as if he is my Father and then I realize daddy Where is daddy and daddy is Keeping track he says, I'm here. <laughs> Daddy did not lose sight of me. I lost sight of my dad. So, you know, because I am mistaking him to be my dad. But nevertheless, my dad doesn't mistake. He knows that this fellow is my my sheep, as the Bible would say. Uh, my flock. <laughs> so the mark is there on the sheep. My sheep, my sheep. You know, it's a very interesting Christian mythology. I mean symbolism is so interesting. That on the flock of sheep, you know, there were eggs which were given in the ashram at one point of time. It was stamped on them, ashram. You know, it's not, it's not to be taken as lightly. It's very interesting that it is ashram. So, at least so long as we not have not substantially and irrevocably fixed our new becoming, every time you go either other string, ma, I think. I am straying mother, but I want to be yours. You remember, no, the promise you gave me? Yes, my child. Come. So she will make sure that everything will become a passage towards a greater union with her. Not we don't go back to the same state. She makes it still more comprehensive and vast. When we have done that, when we have made it normal to our experience, the memory of it remains self-existent. Then we don't have to keep saying if you keep saying, C, you told me no and I have said yes, no. You doubt me, no mother, it's okay. So it becomes a self-existent state. We don't have to keep mechanically remember and offer, remember and offer because it becomes a background state of consciousness. In the critical moment of passing from the mortal plane of living, the importance of our then state of consciousness becomes evident. But it is not a deathbed remembrance at variance with or insufficiently prepared by the whole tenor of our life and our past subjectivity that can have this saving power. It's not a deathbed remembrance that you write in the pocket and suddenly, oh, you know, people start doing that. So, the thought of the Gita here is not on a par with the indulgences and facilities of popular religion. It has nothing in common with the crude fancies that make the absolution and last unction of the priest an edifying Christian death after an unedifying, profane life, or the precaution or accident of a death in sacred Benares or holy ganges a sufficient machinery of salvation. You must understand it. The life we have lived determines what happens to us at death, during death, and beyond death. The divine subjective becoming on which the mind has to be fixed formally in the moment of the physical death must have been one into which the soul was at each moment growing inwardly during the physical life. Therefore, says the divine teacher. At all times remember me and fight. For if thy mind and thy understanding are always fixed on me and given to me, given up to me, to me thou shalt surely come, either which way. For it is by thinking always of him with a consciousness united with him in an undeviating yoga of constant practice that one comes to the divine and supreme purusha. And then it says that you know what is that state in which one passes So this is the practice that we have to do State of constant remembrance Now this constant remembrance is uh, whenever to start with starting an activity ending an activity in between the activity whenever Ma 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 goes on and then it becomes a background state And when it becomes a background state Then life is led along those lines And then the Gita speaks about Knowing the God in his completeness Samagram Mam And this is the wisdom of all wisdoms The whole knot of the Ignorance, which has bewildered his human mind and has made his will recoil from his divinely appointed work will have been cut entirely asunder. This is the wisdom of all wisdoms, the secret of all secrets, the king knowledge, the king secret. It is a pure and supreme light which one can verify by direct spiritual experience and see in oneself as the truth. So it's not something to be taken as a belief. If we live it, we will see it in our own life. But then comes the other part But faith is necessary If faith is absent If one trusts to the critical intelligence Which goes by outward facts And jealously questions the revelatory knowledge Because that does not square with the divisions and imperfections Of the apparent nature And seems to exceed it And states something which carries us Beyond the first practical facts of our present existence it's grief, it's pain, evil, defect, undivine, error and stumbling, ashubham, then there is no possibility of living out that greater knowledge. Meaning thereby that, well, what if we see somebody who lived his life for the divine, suddenly dies at a young age? The critical mind will say, what did God do to him? And the mind endowed God will, with faith will say, wow, he has been taken a leap see we read that line in Savitri digging a tunnel through emergency because God uses everything his wisdom is not confined to a very narrow you see this is what we see in the Gita what is the occasion of the Gita if you really look at it even Gandhari she said "You, she curses Krishna because of you this war took place so for her it was the most ashub thing to have taken place not realizing that every Son that died on the battlefield, it was a great compassion of the Lord. Right? Because had they been alive, God knows what chaos they would have created to start with. Less burden of error they carried. And for a Kshatriya to die on the battlefield is at least a glorious death. That too, to fight and die at the hands of a godlike humanity like Bhima. It is a still more glorious death All of them See When you are endowed with faith Gandhari would have said I know they were all errant children My mistake But at least They couldn't live gloriously Your compassion gave them a glorious death Karna The Lord saved him If you really look at it Imagine if Karna didn't die And imagine if because of him Evil one the man would have been in the most miserable of conditions. This much he had understood. That's why he said, see, what he promised to Kunti was very interesting. He said, I will kill only one of the Pandavas. And then he says something else. He says, you will still have the five. It was a very cryptic way of saying, the moment one of them is fallen, I'll be a Pandava. He knew this much. That, And whom did he want to kill? Arjuna." Because he had this score to settle. Meaning thereby if Arjuna fell he would be a Pandava and be with them. This much he knew. And Sri Krishna was trying to save him from the ignominy by telling him stop you come out of this battle. Come with the Pandavas. Because he knew it's not worthy of him. Still incident listen what a death at the hands of Arjuna with the Divyastra and in a state where nobody can blame him. Oh, he was on the ground and you know, he didn't have the wrath. Karna was saved, it was compassion again of Sri Krishna. So this is the eye endowed with faith, we'll see. But there is a kind of critical thinking, oh Krishna, see how cunningly, <laughs> cunningly <laughs> took away Karna. He saved Dronacharya also. What about Jayadrath? Well, the fellow deserved to die a hundred times <laughs> there something else came into existence I have often spoken of this Prem ke pali padkar Prabhu ko niyam badalte dekha apna maan rahe na rahe par bhakt ka maan na dekha he loves Arjuna. he is the one Arjuna loves him thanks to the Lord's love and he is the chosen one on the battlefield Jadrath had to die Any which way So you see how the divine goes to any extent And if you look outwardly You can't understand But when you look from the point of view of dharma Which alone is Sri Krishna's business He didn't come there to say You know people will say Greater than Gandhi was Sri Krishna Who renounced this world And renounced Confirmed renunciation in Arjuna And both of them together took to sanyas and went to the Himalayas. (laughs) Sri Krishna would laugh. He would say, I have come here to establish dharma. I don't care whether my name is written in the books of the European scholars as the father of the nation. I know that I am the eternal womb of all things. And I am not just the father of this great nation, but also its mother. Who else? (laughs) So, (laughs) father and mother don't need to confirm that they are the father. those who have doubt about the identity they have to try the DNA testing the father and mother knows so this is how he describes that faith is necessary the soul that fails to get faith in the higher truth and law must return into the path of ordinary mortal living subject to death and error in evil it cannot grow into the Godhead which it denies If I believe that no there is nothing like you know what Shurabinder the mother said I don't know maybe it is true, maybe it is not true then you cannot grow by its very definition I cannot grow into that which I deny it's a absurdity so it will start with faith because I don't see but I have faith, faith means to know that which yet cannot be known by any of the mental and apparatus For this is a truth which has to be lived and lived in the soul's growing light, not argued out in the mind's darkness. One has to grow into it, one has to become it. That is the only way to verify it. It is only by exceeding of the lower self that one can become the real divine self and live the truth of our spiritual existence. All the apparent truths one can oppose to it are appearances of the lower nature the release from the evil and the defect of the lower nature ashubham can only come by accepting a higher knowledge in which all this apparent evil becomes convinced of ultimate unreality is shown to be a creation of a darkness so in that state you discover that all that we made so much halabulla about that was not the real thing the real thing was happening deep within what we were whispering to the lord And what he was whispering into our soul. Not the world of appearances which human beings see. What with entire faith and without egoism we believe in and impelled by him will to be the God within will surely accomplish. It's no more left to us. If we have faith without egoism. I have faith but I don't know. Let me see the proof. (laughs) I have faith but provided you fulfill this ambition of mine that's why Shubhinda says an egoistic faith tainted with desire and ambition is a low and smoke obscured flame that cannot burn upward to heaven so this faith is not tainted with egoism do this for me then I will have faith, nothing even if you were to take away every drop of my blood each drop will say thou, 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 thou alone So this faith when we are endowed with Then we grow into that Spontaneously But the egoistic mind and life We now and apparently are Must first surrender itself For transmutation into the hands of that Inmost secret divinity within us So Krishna is within Krishna All things are in Krishna And he is the transcendent Godhead Purushottama beyond all and then he says the great soul who open themselves to the light and largeness of the diviner nature of which man is capable are alone on the path narrow in the beginning inexpressibly wide in the end that leads to liberation and perfection the path seems narrow in the beginning because you have to really withdraw from all this world of appearances and concentrate only on the divine seems narrow but As we grow into it Then suddenly the divine within You begin to see him in entire creation It becomes wide as we grow This absolute self-giving This one-minded surrender Is the devotion Which the Gita makes the crown of its synthesis All the rest is a preparation A stage comes when there is the complete self-giving Not only of works Not only the turning of the intelligence within But within, outward, everything not only the works that I am doing, but my feeling, my heart, my action, everything is turned, given to the Lord. My thoughts turned to him, my heart running towards him. Through every appearances, seeking him and finding him and discovering him. In all the, energy, the energies and dynamism of the life, to find him, to live him, to feed him, to be fed by him. <laughs> all this becomes the state of the devotee. This is the self-giving. Which is devotion. So, devotion has nothing to do with sitting in a large pandal with a khartal, and you know, Babaji comes with five, six malas, and he is waiting for the thing to be over. Then he says, Baccha moh maya se muktho ja. Kya karna ho guruji? Purse nikal ke rakte. <laughs> you know, Guruji, what we have to do to get free of the maya moh? Take out your purse give it here because you know that's where the my is. <laughs> whereas the other way round is so beautiful one devotee I remember she was telling me her experience she was going to Shcherbindu's room and she had thought she will uh, make this offering and kept it in the purse and when she went to Shcherbindu's room she was searching the purse and just forgot she is a clairvoyant lady so she didn't know what to do where is that feeling bit nervous where is that offering gone is the lord not accepted all these thoughts suddenly she hears a voice Shurabindo tells her you can offer your money anywhere in the ashram here you offer yourself here you offer yourself as the mother says our character our way of being that we must give Money also is needed, it's the most outward offering. Energies, way of being, so that this may change and grow into the likeness of the Lord. All action and effort are by this devotion turned into an offering to the Supreme and Universal Godhead. Whatever thou doest, whatever thou enjoyest, yukta har viharasya. Gita is making a very general, broad statement. Not saying don't go for a picnic, you will fall, don't go and watch a movie don't eat in surguru we are doing blasphemy don't wear colored dresses nothing it is saying do all this in a state of union with me look at this whatever thou doest whatever thou enjoyest whatever thou sacrificest whatever thou givest whatever energy of tapasya of the soul's will or effort thou puttest forth make it an offering unto me here the least the slightest circumstance of life the most insignificant gift of oneself out of oneself or what one has the smallest action assumes a divine significance and it becomes an acceptable offering to the Godhead who makes it a means for his possession of the soul and life of the God lover that story that somebody sent 1 rupee to mother the mother kept in her hand went into a trance She says God will find it difficult to pay back to this man anything and that's how it should start till whole being is taken up by the Lord and given to him the distinctions made by desire and ego then disappear this for God give to Caesar what is due unto Caesar <laughs> give to the devil <laughs> what is due unto devil no Give to God Whatever you doest Even actions which are moved by that As there is no straining After the good result of one's action No shunning of unhappy result But all action and result Are given up to the supreme To whom all work and fruit In the world belong forever There is no further bondage For by an absolute self giving All egoistic desire Disappears from the heart And there is a perfect union Between the divine And the individual soul through an inner renunciation of its separate living. So this is how the finite, the equal divine presence in all of us, very powerful, makes no other preliminary condition except faith, which is what he has said. If once this integral self-giving has been made in faith and in sincerity and with a fundamental completeness, all have access to this gate, All can enter into this temple. Our mundane distinctions disappear in the mansion of the all lover. It's so beautiful. So don't worry if somebody stops at the gate and asks for your gate pass. Stand at the gate and remember the Lord. She will come to you and you will have a marvelous experience. She has allowed you waiting time in her memory, which may not have been there if you were, okay, okay, come in. Everything is felicity there the virtuous man is not preferred nor the inner uh, nor the sinner shut out from the presence oh he is a bad guy he cannot be allowed you know sometime these things are done and it's not correct to the lord anybody should be allowed to go only you should not create a nuisance that is understood but anybody and everybody Together by this road the Brahmin, together, mark the word, together by this road the Brahmin pure of life and exact in observance of the law and the outcast born from a womb of sin and sorrow and rejected of men can travel and find an equal and open access to the supreme liberation and the highest dwelling in the eternal. People often say, what are the special thing about the ashram? I say one of them is that all people can walk together. It's not like Dileks, Darshan, special person, this person we don't ask who are you where are you coming from man and woman find their equal right before God for the divine spirit is no respecter of persons, look at the power of these words the divine spirit is no respecter of persons or of social distinctions and restrictions All can go straight to him Without intermediary or shackling conditions Intermediaries No priest between us and God No one Our task is only to facilitate to go Nothing else, not to stop Not to, you know, prevent In fact that is very dangerous To stop or prevent somebody from Reaching to the divine if says the divine teacher even a man of very evil conduct turns to me with a soul and entire love he must be regarded as a saint for the settled will of endeavor in him is a right and complete will, swiftly he becomes a soul of righteousness and obtains eternal peace their weakness and the stumblings of their human strength make no difference this is my word of promise cries the voice of the Godhead to Arjuna that he who loves me shall not perish a beautiful supreme assurance still we say he to chala gaya se iska koi nahi you don't know uska hi upay hai <laughs> <laughs> oh hi karega <laughs> there is a phrase in Hindi marta kya na A good man is very difficult to turn a good man to God. Huh? I am a good guy. See, everybody considers me as somebody very good. But somebody who is, he says, Lord, you are my only hope, my refuge. So, and then he ends, closes this, that in the divine lover of man who takes refuge, the shudra hampered by a thousand hard restrictions, woman shut in and stunted in a growth by the narrow circle, society has drawn around her self-expansion, those two on whom their past karma has imposed, even the very worst of births, the outcast, the pariya, the chandal, find at once the gates of God opening before them. And there are people who will say that, in India casteism and all this Obviously they have either not read the Gita Or they are souls deluded Who know not the Lord in the body And yet The best solution for them Would be to turn to the, to the divine And he says that He is not the limited Godhead of religion And finally I will just take 3-4 minutes more The liberated eye of knowledge in the spiritual consciousness does not in its outlook on the world see this struggling lower nature alone. We see a man struggling, you know, having defects. But the divine sees the divine possibility inside. People often ask, Arjuna was not the best of the Pandavas or the best of human beings. Yudhishthira was truthful to a default. And then there was, you know, Vidura who was Mahatma there was Sahadev the meditating man. Why Arjuna was chosen? Because Arjuna alone could be the instrument. We see the outer nature and its limitations. If we perceive only the apparent outward fact of our nature and other's nature, we are looking with the eye of ignorance and cannot know God equally in all. In the Sattvic, the rajasic, the tamasic creature, in God, and Titan, in saint and sinner, in the wise man, in the ignorant. In the great and in the little, in man, animal, plant and inanimate existence The liberated vision sees three things at once As the whole occult truth of the natural being How does God see us? First and foremost, it sees the divine prakriti in all The true sabhava We may not know it But it sees that which is happening inside That little thing it sees her as the real power in all things to bring it out is its real business that which gives its value to all this apparent action of diverse quality and force and it reads the significance of these latter phenomena not in their own language of ego and ignorance but in the light of the divine nature when mother was you see people didn't understand dada and why mother was so you know what mother said he is the one person who could psychisize the material consciousness and at one point he says you could have been born with lot of intellectual things but you deliberately choose to keep that behind so that you could do this work which is very difficult the obscure material consciousness so we look at things outside of course he was a wonderful person those who knew him closely but we see outside but the divine sees that inner subhav that inner aspiration which we may not see and he reads the outer in the light of this and not the other way round therefore it sees too secondly the differences of the apparent action in deva and rakshasa man and beast and bird and reptile good and wicked ignorant and learned but as action of divine quality and energy under these conditions under these masks so the same action karna and arjuna it sees differently that's why Shri Krishna tells to Arjuna you are of a deva nature you don't worry but Duryodhana after all are the same question that Bali says why you killed me and helps you grieve so the same action he sees differently based on the inner becoming it's seen in that light it is not deluded by the mask there are people who are very good guys and you know that's why people say oh karnu ko kyon aise hua it is not diluted by the mask but detects behind every mask the Godhead. It observes the perversion of the imperfection but it pierces to the truth of the spirit behind. It discovers it even in the perversion and imperfection, self-blinded, struggling to find itself. The liberated eye does not lay undue stress on the perversion and imperfection but is able to see all with a complete love and charity in the heart see that's how Churchill became such a wonderful instrument if you look outwardly used to drink then they debauch most likely same with we see with Napoleon at the same time he hated India but the divine saw something else that's what is matters at the end and finally it sees the upward surge of the striving powers of the will to be towards Godhead. It respects, welcomes, encourages all high manifestations of energy and quality. The flaming tongues of the divinity, the mounting greatnesses of soul and mind and life, in their intensity is uplifted from the levels of the lower nature towards heights of luminous wisdom and knowledge, mighty power, strength, capacity, courage, heroism, benignant sweetness and ardour, and grandeur of love and self giving, Preeminent virtue, sweetness and ardour and grandeur of love and self-giving, preeminent virtue, noble action, captivating beauty and harmony, fine and godlike creation. The eye of the spirit sees and marks out the rising Godhead of man in the great viputhi. At one place Shubhita was asked, but some of these great people had defects. He says, Yes, great people have great defects. <laughs> and then he says, Why won't the divine use greatness if it serves his purpose? oh no no he is not a good guy let me not use him this is nature rising towards its own summits pressed by the will and that is how it closes it is the Godhead who manifests himself in the great thinker the hero, the leader of men the great teacher sage, prophet religious founder, saint lover of man the great poet, the great artist the great scientist The ascetic self tamer The tamer of things and events and forces The work itself The high poem The perfect form of beauty The deep love The noble act The divine achievement Is a movement of Godhead It is the divine in manifestation